Good morning. Welcome to the Hope World Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School class. Uh, this morning, we're going to spend our time in a very exciting, well, exciting for me, book, First uh, Thessalonians, beginning at chapter 4, verses, verse 13, down through chapter 5, verse 11, because of the volume of the Sunday School lesson as printed, we might not get through each and every verse line by line, precept by precept, but we will globally deal with the subject matter, which I'm sure you all are familiar with, but I think there's some things uh, in here that we need to uh, discuss a little deeper. <clears throat> so um, one of the things I want you to keep in mind as you reflect and read, on, read this, and also as you read in your personal time of Bible study and reflection, uh, that our subject is living with hope. Living with hope. God Almighty, don't we need some hope? Right along through here. Woo, we need some hope. Uh, I, 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 I agree with Jesse Jackson. We ought to keep hope alive. So God is always trying to get word to us when we need it most. And I think this is an appropriate time for this particular teaching. Uh, also, if you're reading ahead, uh, read all of, of uh, First Thessalonians and Second. Not a very long epistle. <clears throat> I think you'll be blessed by what the Apostle Paul had to say. Let's pray, and then let's uh, dive into this deep, deep, deep uh, lesson. By the way, Bishop Shields uh, has a teaching on this. Uh, been about two years ago, maybe longer. Uh, he taught a series on uh, the end times, uh, including the rapture. Uh, which is our subject today, and so go back and grab that if you need to, uh, because I can't do all that in, in the 41 minutes and 16 seconds that I am allotted. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your peace. You are the God of all gods, but more than that, you are our God, and beside thee there is none other. There is no God like you because there is no other God. Even the ones they made up, there is still the only one true and living God. Jesus, the Christ, is his only son, and we are his people, called by his name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for all you've done for us that we did not deserve. And all you've done for us that we did not deserve even on our best days. We didn't deserve any of it. But you've been so good to us. There's nothing so good we've done to earn it. But you've been so good to us. And we just want to stop in our busy time and our busy lives and our busy occupations. And our busy trying to get money and more money and a house and a bigger house and a car and a newer car. And clothes and better clothes and travel and more travel and, and, and things and more things. We just want to stop and say thank you. We want to put you on our schedule. <laughs> we know we're always on yours. Yes. We know that because you sent your only darling son yes. that to die on the cross, not for anything he'd done wrong, but for my sins yes. and the sins of your people. Thank you, Father, for redeeming us back to you by your own precious blood. Now, God, we pray for this place called Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church, a place established in your name, trying to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Bless our leader, Bishop William L. Shields. 
Heal his body, bless his mind, his heart. Give him a word for us that'll sweep us all through the week. And bless this little Sunday school class that you've ordained because we have one purpose when we come to study your word that we might be better thereby and that we might find something that we can share with others along the way. Bless our class members, our church members, our family members. Bless our country indeed. And bless us. Keep us safe in this unsafe world. We love you today. We praise you today and we lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn, if you will, to the book of 1 Thessalonians, uh, chapter number 4. That's um, <clears throat> where the lesson picks up. But I want to, um, uh, before we go there, because I, uh, the, the lesson today is about the rapture, not, not the whole lesson, but most of it. And, you know, the concept of the rapture uh, refers to that eschatological event when both dead and alive saints are united with Christ. Now, if you aren't careful, you will think, yes, thank you. If you aren't careful, you will think that Paul, uh, in this epistle, uh, sort of invented the idea of the rapture. That is, that Paul, in teaching to this little small church at Thessalonica, um, decided to come up with a concept to keep them engaged. You might think that if you aren't careful. <clears throat> but here's the thing I like about Jesus and, and what I like about Paul. The concept, you may not have thought about this, or maybe you have. Jesus told all of the, the disciples, some of them became apostles, about the rapture. Paul is the only one who wrote about the rapture. John, the revelator, doesn't write about the rapture, but he describes events connected to the rapture. But when you're talking to somebody out in the street, they might say, well, Paul just sort of made this up as a philosopher. Jesus introduces the idea of the rapture and the fact of the rapture while he's teaching. What I like about what so impresses me about the Apostle Paul is the Apostle Paul wasn't there when Jesus introduced the idea of the rapture. And Apostle Paul only spoke to one disciple, that is Peter, and spent a little time with Jesus' half-brother, James. So Paul, if he knows anything about the rapture, it has to come through divine revelation. I, I, I know it. we're going to get to the lesson, but I need to give you this because it's important. You have to understand that when you open yourself up to God for him to speak to you, things you should not know, you will know. God begins to reveal things. So he said, well, Elder Ware, prove to me that Jesus introduces the concept of the rapture. Uh, Matthew 24, 30. Here's what Jesus, and if you don't, and you, 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 you'll miss this if you don't slow down. Uh, uh, he, he is, he's talking about the signs of his coming in this passage. And right there in verse 30, he says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see, you see that? The Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. Most preachers don't even preach this. 
because you'll, you'll, you'll skip right over. But what an amazing thing Jesus said. Here's how you're going to know that I am who I said I am. I'm not going to come like I came the first time. Everybody's going to see it this time when I come. But Paul is not there when Jesus teaches this. And then the idea of us being caught up together, Jesus taught that. Here's what he said. You remember the, the, the book of John? Chapter number 14, he says, hey, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Why? That where I am, there you will be also. There's the rapture. There's a, when he tells you in Matthew, I'm coming back. And then he says, I'm coming back because I got to take you for what I made for you. We, we got we to go where, where I, what I did for you. Otherwise, doing it wouldn't make any sense. And somehow, this, this mean, evil, cruel prosecutor named Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus meets the living Christ. And Jesus, at some point in those three years when Paul is studying, reveals to him exactly how this thing's going to unfold. Amen. I bet you Paul does like I do at my house when I'm studying. I bet he jumped up and ran around the, the study because it had to blow his mind uh, uh, when, when this stuff happened. And I want you to uh, understand that you have the same access to God Paul did. Pray and earnestly believe God will talk to you. I'm not talking about this spooky stuff in the middle of the night when you had a spam sandwich and went to bed late. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about having a relationship with him where he will speak to you. Now, now with that background, let's go to Thessalonians. Because I don't want you to ever think, y'all hear me say in this class all the time, if I don't teach you anything else, is that the Bible is a complete book. It is it is, it is jointly fit together. You never have to defend it to anybody. Try to pretend that, well, baby, you're right about it. No, no, no. It's all going to make sense. Because if God doesn't say it, it's not true. And if Jesus doesn't confirm it, it's not true. Paul can't teach this unless Paul can point to you where Jesus said it or confirmed it. Can't teach it. It's interesting that Paul doesn't talk about the rapture that much in any other epistle except in, Coloss in, 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 in Corinthians. Uh, the reason he picked up here in, 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 in First Thessalonians is because um, the Thessalonians were so focused on the second coming of Christ because they were catching such devil on earth that they basically allowed them to stop working. They wouldn't work. They wouldn't engage with anybody. They just sat around looking up. Even so, come Lord Jesus. All day. Every day. That's why he had to say, wait a minute, y'all. But there are people like that. Uh, uh, the David Koresh crowd, the Jim Jones crowd. If you get caught up in just focusing on the second return, you can't live. And if you're just focused on the second return, you're not going to evangelize. You're not going to witness. You're going to get up every morning touching yourself to see if you go and then call somebody you know and say, I just called him, Sister Annette, make sure you're still here because I know if you're still here, the rapture hadn't come. Yeah. You might want to get a rapture buddy to check with and make sure you don't. I'm just telling you, somebody you know going. 
This is Paul. This is Paul's first letter. Watch this now. It's his first epistle. The first one he ever writes is to the Thessalonians. And he chooses to deal with this issue because they are lax in their engagement because they're so earthly minded, there are no heavenly good. So Paul says, let me break this down to you like this. Paul says, first of all, verse 13 of chapter 4, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. The question is, the question on the floor was, it is, does the death of a believer before the Lord comes cause him to lose his share of the glory of God? Once the Thessalonians got past the idea that it wasn't coming necessarily right then that minute, then they began to clutch their pearls because they said, well, wait a minute, what about mama? If, if we're waiting for the Lord's return, and you're saying suddenly, Paul, what about my mother? What about my father? What about my sisters and brothers? What happened to everybody who's gone on before? What happens to them? It's a legitimate question. Because if death is the end, I'm sad. Just talking for me now. If all there is is you live and you die, then I'm sad. Because you can't accomplish enough on the dash, that you know, that space between when you're born and when you die. You can't accomplish enough living on the dash that'll make up for you being gone because no matter how mean and ugly you are, when you die, somebody misses you. Surely, death is not all there is. Surely. If death was all there, because they missed a fundamental teaching because they said they were believers, but they missed Jesus' main point, which is, I'm coming back. So they begin to wonder. So Paul says, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, now Paul is, is, you know, can sometimes be a little harsh. Uh, he said, are you acting like people don't have any hope? He says, um, uh, 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 you, you have to understand that God has a plan. And God's plan is so fantastic that you will never be disappointed if you trust in the plan. If you stick to the schedule, Paul says, you won't be disappointed. And he says, uh, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now, uh, sometimes when Paul uses the word sleep, he's talking about death. He's going to use the word sleep a little later when we get in. He's not talking about dying. He's talking about walking around, not being engaged. Jesus sometimes refers to sleep uh, like he did with um, Lazarus. But Lazarus actually wasn't dead to Jesus, but dead to people. You see the difference? Here's what you, here's what you need to understand. This is going to mess you up. No saint is ever dead to Jesus. Okay. You're always in the internal now. So precious in the sight of the Lord is what? The death of his saints. You're never dead to Jesus in terms of death being the end, the period to your life is merely a comma. You can't get to the next dimension except you go through death or you get raptured. It's impossible. So, Paul says, you have hope. 
That's, that's what we're talking about. Living in apostles. You have this great hope. And why would God withhold something from your family that he's going to give you? You've got to understand that Jesus has a plan. What Paul could have said right here is go back and read Matthew 24, 30. But he didn't have Matthew 24, 30. Go back and read John 14, 1 through 3. But he didn't have John 14, 1 through 3. So he's having to teach them to hold on to this hope. Let's walk a little further. And by the way, he's, this, 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 this word sleep, uh, it, it, they didn't just make that up. It's a, it's a Greek word. It's, it's a Greek word from where we get our word cemetery, which means dormitory or sleeping places. That's what cemetery means. That's what sleep means. All right. Let's go to verse 14. <clears throat> He's, now, watch this. Watch this. <clears throat> that this full assurance Paul gives that Christians who have died are still living somewhere. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, also them, I'm sorry, so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, now, now notice what Paul is doing here. Paul now is preaching John 1 through 14, 1 through 3, and Matthew 24, 30. He doesn't know he's preaching that because he wasn't there. But God, by revelation, told that to him. He says, you, 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 Paul says, your first task is you got to believe that Jesus died and rose again. Paul said, don't, don't, don't skip over that. All right? You just can't believe Jesus died for your sins. That would only be a semicolon. You've got to believe he rose again. Right? Because he can't come back unless he's going to come back. If he's still dead in the grave, you, have, you can't come back. Now, this concept of dying and coming back and dying and coming back, they had seen over the years. <clears throat> they knew that there were people who'd been raised from the dead, who died again, right? With the exception of Enoch, who never died. He was translated that he should not see death. God took him. Paul says, listen, uh, uh, when, when Jesus got up, everything that we believe jails. He becomes what the Bible refers to as the first fruits of them that sleep. That's what it said. If Jesus doesn't do it, we can't do it. So the question becomes, how did Jesus do it? How, what happened? How was he reanimated in that tomb? And guess what the answer is? I don't care. <laughs> I just don't. I, I, all I know, right, sister love, is that he, they went there and he got, he wasn't there. You, you'll run yourself crazy and people will make you crazy. Well, how did he, how he, you can't explain that anymore. You can explain how a baby gets made. You, you, you cannot explain to anybody who, who won't think you'll look crazy that something that, that starts out smaller than the, the head of a pen becomes a child. You can't explain that, but you know it happens, right? He gets up. And then, then Jesus does something unusual when he gets up. He, when, he, when he announced, he said, now all power is in my hand. That power includes the ability to make everybody get up. Here's the thing that people don't understand. Whether you're going to heaven or hell, you're going to get up. 
Whether you go, whether you go, whether you gonna walk in and they say smoking or non-smoking. <clears throat> but you're gonna get up. Trust and believe. You gonna get up. <clears throat> Paul says. Paul then says, he and, and Paul introduces very interesting. He says, uh, those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, why would you want to come back? Why, if you have this precious place with Jesus, with God, why would you want to come back with him? Why? Guess what? I'm going to tell you something. going to blow your mind. The Bible says, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Y'all ever been around a clingy baby? Where, where, where the baby's been gone, you left them somewhere and you go and give them, they, they just want. The reason people come, come back, not because they want to, but let me tell you something. Once you get in Jesus' presence, you ain't going to ever want to let him go. He's headed back to earth, I don't care. He can go to Mars, Pluto, Venus, wherever he is, there I will be also. Look for Jesus, look for me. Right? So he said, he's going to bring it back with him. He doesn't have any choice. They're, gonna, they're clinging. They're going to cling to him. You can't let him out of your sight once we see him. I've never seen him. Right? Have y'all? No. All right. Some of y'all need to be in therapy. Okay. <laughs> so, so once I see him, I'm not going to let him go. All right? Watch this. Oh, thank you. Um, for this we say, verse 15, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Paul says, listen, it's not an exclusive club. It's not rapture if you're present, right? Taking you out of the world without the other saints, Paul says, we don't have any preeminence over them. They have to rise first. Why? Because they got there first. They're with him. They're not going to let him go. Y'all know that, right? They're not going to let him go. So Paul says to the, to the Thessalonians, don't think you are preventing your mother from going or your father from going because you are here and they're not. We're all going to meet him together. Later on in the book of Corinthians, which the Thessalonians don't get, he talks about how that happens. All right? But that, that's not important. He said what's important conceptually is that you know we're all going to be there together at the same time with the same Lord. And I know that some people think, well, when that happens, the first thing I want to do is say hello to my mama, hello to my dad. I don't believe that. I believe you're going to be so blown away by seeing Jesus. That as much as you love these other people, you want to see Obadiah, Zechariah, Malachi? No. Uh, no. Peter, James, and John don't care. Don't want to talk to Adam and Eve especially. Want to see Jesus. Right? I just want to see Jesus. Right? Now we get to fellowship. Revelation says, but that's another thing. Paul's just saying you have to have hope. I want you to live with this hope that we will see everybody again. And you will know them when you see them. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me why. Paul just says, just trust. You will know them when you see them. Why? Because he says back in verse 14, we believe Jesus died and rose again. And what happened? When he died and rose again, when they saw him again, they knew him. 
He was not human, but they saw him as human because they were human, right? That's the, that's the only way it would make any sense is that he had to be in a form that they, their brains could process. And you're going to be like that. You won't have this body, right? Because by then all your warranties will have expired. You won't have this body, but you will have a body, a thing that other beings will know who you are. Right? That's, that's the concept. Now, he says that, he said, then, then he goes on to verse 16. And then Paul says, the way this is going to unfold is as follows. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. first. Now notice what happens here is he says that, that, that the Lord will descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel. In other words, it's not Jesus using uh, Michael's voice, only archangel name, but that when Jesus comes, the archangel is going to make an announcement. Probably something like, get up! Or come! Or be here! Something like that, that will reanimate you if you're dead. And if you're alive, you're not going to have time to think because Paul said it happens in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. The same time the sound comes, the same time you trans transfer. I used to think that didn't make a lot of sense until I watched Star Trek. If you ever watched Star Trek and they stand on the, on the, on the deck and they, and, they, and they animate in one place and reanimate in the other. Y'all don't watch Star Trek? Okay. Um, <laughs> the idea is that you can, you can take different forms depending upon where you are. Okay? I don't really care how this all works. I just want it to work. So Paul says, um, the dead in Christ shall rise for him. Well, that, that has never happened. It has, because when Jesus died on the cross, people said that they saw saints walking around Jerusalem. I don't know what happened to them afterwards, but people say they saw them. That, that's just testimony recorded by Luke. That graves opened, and people got up because they confused his death and all the noise made with the second coming. So, so as not to miss it, they got up, right? Then they went back. All right, now, so, so the next time there will be no confusion, everybody's going to get up, and, and the dead shall rise first because they have to be with the Lord, right? And, and it's not a competition, right? They just rise first because uh, they're, they're not alive, not because they're trying to beat you or you're trying to beat them. It's not a... Not, they're not trying to rush in and get their seat because there's plenty of room at the foot of the cross, all right? Now watch this. Then, uh, and, and, and don't, don't um, interpret the word then as sequential. He's just saying this will happen, this will happen. It all could be happening simultaneously, all right? But it's not a competition. Paul says, now, the dead in Christ will rise first, then <clears throat> we which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the cloud. What if it happens on a Sunday morning? Oh, I heard that in the movie. <laughs> I saw a movie, somebody said it. 
Sunday morning rapture. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now notice who we're trying to go meet. You don't try to get caught up and then go try to say hey to ever love. Right? Or your dad or your mom or your companion. You want to meet the Lord. You notice that anything about anybody you're connected to, even children, is secondary. And Paul just kind of sloughs over that, is that because you would want to think that if you are reanimated, that there's a lot of folks you want to see, Judy, right? right? But he said, no, you want to meet the Lord. That's it. In the air. That's who you want to see. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. Right? That is stay forever by his amazing grace. Walk the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Free at last, home at last, ever to rejoice. That's who I want to see. Not trying to check off who's here, who's not here. Ooh, I know you weren't going to make it. No, no, no. I want to see him. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Paul says, now, the idea is not to go and change. Once you do that, you'll be with him forever. He says, now, because of that, I want you to comfort one another with these words. Uh, you would think that talking about death and, and talking about the resurrection would not be a comforting word. But some people uh, who, who are dealing with the, the vagaries of life can get so depressed that if you don't give them hope by saying there's something after this, there's more to life than this, something after your sickness, something after your disease, something after prison, something after your disappointment, if you don't, people will get truly, truly cannot function depressed. Why? Because life is daily. It comes at you fast, 24-7, 365, and stuff you planned didn't work out, and stuff you thought you sat down, and I, I get so sad about all these older people who plan for their whole lives and have their savings set up so they can retire, and then some joker comes along and steals it. Somebody has a reverse mortgage because somebody thought that was a good idea, and, and, and then something and crazy stuff happens, and, and people get down depressed, and you got to give them hope. Don't focus on the here and now. you got to focus on what's coming. Jesus understands. He's going to fix all of this. He, and here's the thing, as I've interpreted, and I'm not a Bible scholar, but just study, I don't think you have any memory of bad stuff that's gone on before. Because I don't think you care. I think you're so caught up, which is the Latin word for rapture. You're so caught up in being in his presence that all this stuff, all the, my grandma used to talk about coming over rocks and reels. All this stuff you don't care about because I finally made it to see Jesus. So that's the comfort. That's the hope we live with. Now, don't confuse after death hope with focusing on after death hope. Don't spend all your time saying, all I want to do is see Jesus. I just want to see Jesus. I just want to see Jesus. I don't care about that. 
He said, no, he said, but you, 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 you live with hope. You don't live with a defeated attitude. <clears throat> it changes how you approach things <clears throat> at a homegoing service. Um, and, and just because you're sad at homegoing doesn't mean you don't have hope. It, 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 I can't find any biblical support for people who, who teach and preach that, well, if you're sad at a funeral, that means you don't have hope. No, that's not true. You're a human being. Of course you're going to be sad. Your loved one is gone. Yeah, that's, that's foolishness. But that doesn't mean that later on you're not going to rejoice about seeing them again. But don't let people trick you. Oh, you, where's your faith? You're supposed to come into church and turn five flips and a break dance in the middle of the floor. And, oh, they're dead. I'm so glad they're dead. No, that's crazy. Nobody did glad. I want to see them again. Right? But I have the right because that's love in that box. And I have the right to express my grief. I'm going to get past it as time goes on. But please don't hinder me from feeling like I feel when I feel like I feel. Paul says, now, I know you want to know when. I know you do. When's he coming back? Y'all been saying he's coming back for a long time. Been saying he's coming back for 2,000 years. He ain't come back yet. Paul says, when? I know you want to know when. I know you do, Paul says, let's deal with that. But of the times and the seasons, chapter 5, verse 1, you have no need that I write unto you. Now, that's, if the, the Thessalonians are saying, well, that's exactly why we wrote to you. That's exactly what we want. Tell us when. He doesn't know. Guess what? Nobody knows. Jesus said, I don't know. He said, my father. He said, even the angels don't know. My father in heaven knows. Cause you, you don't need to know. Because if you knew, you'd live differently. And you probably live fake. Right? You have to live every day as if it's your last. And then you have to live every day as if you got 10,000 more to go. Why? Because you want to be genuine. Right? You, you, can't, you, you, you can't rush in there and get the house clean when you see mama turn the corner. Y'all used to do that, didn't you? Because everybody can tell. You just did that. Because dust is still flying, right? Paul says, don't focus on that. Because some people want to know because they want to lord it over you. Because people will come through town saying, I can tell you when. I can read signs and wonders. And I, okay, thank you. Uh, you know, put your little tent down and go on somewhere. <laughs> he says, here's why. He, Paul says, you already know when. When, Paul? Verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Why would God consult you about something this significant? <laughs> God can't trust you to tithe. Oh, why would he? Oh, God. Y'all take that off the tape, tape person. God can't trust you with minor stuff. Why would he tell some guy who calls himself Prophet Big Head or whatever he calls himself, he knows all this stuff. Why would God trust you with that? Right? Can't trust you with basic stuff. But Paul says, you already know when he's coming, when you don't expect him. Right? One's, one's in the field, one's gone, one's still there. One's at the mill, one's gone, one's there. Paul says, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, that's what Jesus said. They're going to be married. 
given in marriage. Going to look up, and, it's, and they're going to look up and see people going up and try to jump. Like crisscross. Jump, jump. Not going to be able to make it. Because it doesn't work like that. You can buy a trampoline. You can have a, those of you who have private jets, not going to matter. For when they shall say, this is these false prophets, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. He says, it's going to be quick. It's going to be just like labor. You're not going to know when it starts, but when it starts, it's too late to stop it. Right? He says, just get, just, you got you to be ready. Don't get ready. But ye brethren and sistering are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. That's verses 4 and 5. He says, you know when he's coming. So you don't spend a lot of time. Every time there's a catastrophe in the world, every time there's an earthquake, every time there's a war, saying, oh my God, oh, this is it. No. Because it doesn't matter to us. Because you know it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I believe that when it gets the real worse, we're going. I think we're snatched out. I know some people teach pre-millennium and post-millennium, but I think we get snatched Why in the world would he make us go through that? I think when it gets as bad as it can ever get, we're going to be gone. Right? We'll never experience the worst of it. We'll be gone. We're experiencing some stuff now. That feels like the last day. We call this the last day, but all days are the last days. Because with God, remember God's eternal, so the spectrum is so wide that everything is the last day. But I will tell you this, and I know you've probably heard this taught. I believe Bishop said this. I'm, I'm sure he did. That the, 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 on, the next thing on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture. And nothing else needs to happen for the rapture to occur. That, don't, don't look for any other sign. That nothing else needs to happen. All things are set in order. He'll come today, tomorrow, next five minutes, doesn't matter. It's already set. Don't start having people tell you that this is, I, no. God's already got a plan. All right. Therefore, verse 6, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Y'all thought that Black Lives Matter came up with the concept of stay woke. There it is. Nothing new under the sun. Paul says, stay woke. Don't sleep. Don't get lackadaisical. Stay sober. Right? Don't, don't get drunk with things of the world because it could come any time. Paul said, be vigilant. Now, you're not going to know, but live your life so that, you, so that you're ready when he does appear. Paul says, stay woke. They, 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 everybody, it's hilarious how they're talking about who don't like wokeness, but the Bible teaches wokeness. So I'm going to stay woke. I'm going to wear my woke t-shirt because I'm not talking about what y'all are talking about. I'm talking about staying ready for Jesus to meet me in the air or me to meet him. For they that sleep in the night and they be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not pointed point unto us to wrath, but to obtain salvation 
by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I think we're going to be going when this all happens, that we're not going to experience wrath. There it is. Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we be alive or dead, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do, even so come Lord Jesus. Oh, I want to see him be in his presence. That man from Galilee. I'm looking forward to seeing y'all over there. You going to be there? You going to be there? I'll see you there.